Hey there, pod pals. Are you a print-on-demand creator looking to stay ahead of the curve? You want to know exactly when to launch your designs for every key season and event? How about a chuckle with an extra dad joke to brighten your day? If you said yes to any of these, then it's time to join the print-on-demand cast VIP list. As a VIP, you'll get our free annual design calendar, an amazing guide to help you time your creations perfectly throughout the year. And of course, we'll include a bonus dad joke each week as well. Signing up couldn't be easier. Just visit printondemandcast.com slash VIP and enter your email. Don't let another day of potential pass you by. Become a part of the VIP list, grab your annual design calendar, and let's dive into a year of inspired creating together. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Print on Demand cast. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about pricing your POD products. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Print On Demand cast. It is fantastic to be back here talking with all of you or to all of you, I guess. But hopefully soon we'll be talking with you because we will be at the Long Beach Impressions show uh, in January. So maybe someday we can, you know, someday it will come. Uh, Nonetheless, before we get into the meat and potatoes of what this show is and has for us, um, whatever platform you're listening to this on, Rate, review, like, subscribe, share, whatever you have to do to get the word out, please do that. We'd be greatly, greatly appreciative of that because we're trying to defeat the mythical algorithm overlords to tell them, hey, people want to see this content. And it's not just me talking to you each and every week. No, no, there is a co-captain, Travis Ross, joining us once again from Make Your Mark Designs or Make Your Mark Studios, I guess you could call it. You have a little setup there now. It's a whole it's a whole thing. The whiteboard's gone. The clock where it's always 345 is gone now. You are actually in an undisclosed location. <laughs> so, uh, what's yeah, up, this man? Could be good, like, to, uh, good to be chatting with you. Yeah, this could be like a ransom video. But um, I was going to yeah. say, you know, you, uh, I think I feel like the last few times you've done an intro, you've, you've talked about the meat and potatoes of the episode. And I'm, I'm just aware that we probably have some vegetarian listeners, some vegan listeners, um, pescatarian. And, and I just, I just want to make sure that we're, you know, uh, being inclusive, um, in our, uh, you know, in the way that we describe the, the yeah. show and the, you know, the main part of the show. So, sure. um, you sure. know, take that, take that, uh, feedback and run with it, Josiah. Me, It'll make you a better person. All right. So meat, potatoes or the broccoli and cauliflower or see, I don't even Ooh. know what's, I don't even know what's know. good. I know. Like, wh- this what, was a what, bad what? rabbit hole to go down. And, <laughs> uh, you know, again, I don't know that people all like rabbits. So this was also a bad. No. Yeah. But hey, um, um, other get, kind in, of hole. get into the fish and asparagus of the episode. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> gross. I mean, I like asparagus, not a fan of fish, but we've derailed already. And we're not even already uh, five minutes into the show. So here we are uh, back again. You, uh, sir, had an eventful weekend gallivanting in new mexico uh with your with your wife uh, how was that how did that go uh what did you learn do you know the way to santa fe now and how did that all <laughs> how that all pan out for you i do know the way to santa fe yeah we uh went Southwest to flight. santa fe new mexico um well actually we we flew into albuquerque and then drove a convertible to santa fe and okay um looked at uh, a lot of galleries. There's this road called Canyon Road that has over a hundred galleries on it. Um, oh that took us, you know, a solid two days. I mean, not a solid two days, but yeah. Um, ate a ton of great food. Went all over. Pl- drank a lot of great drinks. Um, had just a real good time. Drove up into the mountains. Got some cool pictures. Um, and my wife got to see a lot of art and really enjoyed it. And it was a lot of fun. Nice. And then we came back on Sunday. And watched Arsenal beat Man City, and we watched the Chiefs beat uh, the Vikings. Which that means that my fantasy team lost because I can't have the trifecta. You know, I can't have Arsenal win, (laughs) the Chiefs win, and my fantasy team win. Um, But anyway, 
I, I would rather the Chiefs and the and the Arsenal win than my your fantasy, fantasy team. Yeah, yeah, at least this year because I'm I'm doing terrible. But yeah, and that was God, my Travis weekend. Kelsey's okay. Am I right? Yeah, so, yes, you are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you pay more attention to who you're dating, Travis. Um, mm. So, um, yeah, that's good, man. And you know, overall, minor things weekend was was pretty stock standard. Nothing. Too crazy. Have a like a team night at the church that I attend tonight, and it's seventies themed. And so a lot of my weekend was accruing, uh, you know, bell bottom pants and a shirt and a wig, and so it's a whole thing. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, next week at this time, I will be well, not at this time, a week from tomorrow, uh, boarding a plane to go to Sweden for five days. So that'll be cool. Nice. So that's yeah. kind of what we're gearing up towards. But yeah, otherwise. Pretty pretty chill weekend. We'll see each other this week again. We have poker Friday night on Friday right. the thirteenth. We'll see what happens there uh, if anyone's unlucky. But uh, should be a good time. I think we've accrued enough men uh, to play now, so I think we have like five or six before there was three. So we win. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get into it here. This week we're going to start off with this week's point of interest. <laughs> Well, howdy, partner. Welcome to the point of interest part of the POD cast. So grab your hat and hold on tight because we got some learning to do. Learning to do. All right. So here we go. Uh, before we get into the, the main event of the show, we're going to talk about DTG shirt fabrics. Um, it's good to know, even if you're not doing production. Mm-hmm. in-house right. and physically printing on these things it's still good to know what exactly you're ordering what you, just the more product knowledge you have the more you can educate your customer the more they'll think you're the expert the more they'll recommend you and and leave nice reviews and say good things about you like you all should do for us uh, uh whatever platform you're listening to this on uh it's a cheap yeah, plug good if you're a cheap bastard <laughs> so uh <laughs> we're gonna go we're gonna go into we kind of do like DTG, what's good? DTF, what's good? Down direct to film, by the way, not the other one. Uh, but not all cotton is created equally. So there's ring spun versus open end cotton. And Travis, what is the difference between? Yeah, those first of things? all, first of all, you should know that in DTG, direct to garment, um, natural fibers are going to be your best friend, and yeah. um, because the inks don't actually adhere that well to polyester, and they're getting better. Um, they're a lot better than when we used to do it, but um, I mean, when we first started doing it, yeah. but it's still just not, you, you want to have, you know, a hundred percent natural fiber. So a lot of it's cotton. And when they talk about ring spun versus open-ended, uh, the ring spun, it's just exactly what it sounds. It's spun in rings. Um, at, whereas open-ended has like fibers that, uh, they don't connect. And so there's more what they call fibrillation, which is sure. the, the, the cotton actually kind of sticks up. It's um, real annoying. Yeah, it's really annoying when you try to print something. When you try and print it, and there's little fibers sticking up through the through the 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 ink, it it's not fun. Doesn't look it doesn't look good. Doesn't look great. No. Yeah. Um, typically your, your combed ring spun cotton is, is going to be the softest of, of the cotton shirts. So that's like a, like a Bella canvas 3001 or a next level, um, 3,600, even the soft style, the Gildan soft style is a, uh, a ring spun cotton, um, versus like a, a Gildan 5,000 or a Gildan 2000. Those are going to be more, they're going to be open-ended and, and you can usually yeah. tell, you know, when you, you might buy a, a shirt off online and and you get it and you're like, Ooh, this is, this feels like cardboard. Well, that's open-ended sure. cotton. Sure. Um, and it's just not, it doesn't print as well and it doesn't feel as good in my opinion. Um, but whereas the ring spun, you know, you get a Bella canvas 3001 and, and it feels soft. It's nice. Um, those are the hundred percent cotton shirts. Now you start to get talking about tri blends and you start talking about even, yeah. um, like 60 40s and things like that those can get really soft because you're you're increasing the amount of polyester in the garment which creates that softness your dtg inks might not right stick to it as well which is potentially where dtf could come in direct to film because direct to film can go on polyester cotton you know it can it can go on leather you know i mean there's just so many things you can do with dtf um 
but the feel of the print in DTF doesn't feel as good as the feel of the print in DTG, right. in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot about cotton. Um, yeah. But there's more. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. There's Egyptian cotton or Pima cotton. And uh, so Egyptian cotton is pretty self explanatory. Uh, it's grown uh, by the Nile River. So it's super high end. Mm. And just so everyone knows, Denial is not just a river in Egypt. Um, so, and, but most of our shirts that we get are, are Pima. They're grown in Peru and in the U.S. It's a little shorter strand, but it is still comparable um, to Egyptian cotton. And it's, it's again, it's more cost effective as well. One thing that I've found that you're going to have to educate your clients on, regardless if you're doing production or not, or if you're just drop shipping, or if, you know, uh, Printful is doing your production they're always going to want the nice stuff for the cheap price. And so if you know why the nice stuff is not cheap, <laughs> explain it a little bit better. Uh, I know, uh, you know, in my experience, everyone wants a tri-blend. It's like everyone knows what a tri-blend is. Everyone wants the tri-blend. And so when you are uh, explaining why um, tri-blends more, it's just good to be um, educated on that. So, Talking about shirt weight, um, anywhere from three ounces to six ounces uh, is is pretty standard. Um, most of our uh, or many typical DTG shirts range from about four and a half to maybe five and uh, five and a quarter or so in, in ounces. Um, but who is buying the shirt is super super important. Um, because if you think about it, someone that's doing contracting um, is going to want a heavier shirt um, because they're going to be out in the sun. They're going to be out in ducks. You know, they're going to be. I, we, we used to print shirts for a guy that does heating and cooling, and uh, we we he wanted a heavier shirt because he was going to get up in up in the rafters. He was going to get up kind of in the uh, in the nitty gritty, if Let's you will. Get down to the nitty gritty. And so he wanted something that was more high or more weighty. Um, that would last, you know, tri blends or, or high, softer, thinner shirts weren't going to work well for him because he was going to be putting that shirt through the ringer. Um, and so it was going to be really, really difficult for him to, to not have something that was, that was larger. Um, and full transparency, I don't know where Travis went. Travis has disappeared. Uh, he, he left the call. I mean, he might be having Wi-Fi issues. I've been having Wi-Fi issues all day. Who knows what is happening? Uh, but we're going to figure it out here uh, shortly, I'm sure. Um, so, so uh, yeah, so let's keep going then. Um, from shirt weight, you have thread weave. So uh, you'll see 18 single, 30 single, and 40 single yarns. Um, the more cotton threads per yarn, yarn rather, the tighter the weave. Um, and so therefore a 40 single 100% combed ring spun is extremely soft uh, versus an 18 single open end cotton garment. So again, the tighter the weave, the, the softer that it's going to be, um, which is, you know, again, what a lot of people are wanting. Um, they're wanting that, that softer feel. Um, and so again, this is just for your information. It's not necessarily, um, you know, not everyone's going to ask these things, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, your, your end user, your client, not everyone's going to want to know these things, but it's good for you to be armed with information just for yourself to know, especially when you're shopping, when you're looking for something to, to suggest to, um, a client or a customer, um, and they give you kind of like, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, you can, you can do your research with all with the knowledge that you do know and find specific things that are, that are helpful for them, um, in that space. Um, and then finally, finally make sure, make sure your garment is pre-shrunk. Most garments are, but because this is a natural fiber that has been weaved together, this is key. Go track with me for a moment. Okay, just track for me for a second. Let's let's uh, let's think back to a time when you uh, you have the perfect shirt. Man, it's a great shirt. You love it. It fits well when you first put it put it on, or you love the design. You're like, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe I found such a perfect shirt. 
I've, I've never, I never knew a perfect shirt could exist from design to feel to size. I love it. And then, and then you put it in the laundry and you're anticipating, you can't wait to wear that shirt again. Um, hey, look who's back. We don't know what happened, but he's back. He's here. Let's no celebrate. idea what happened. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyway, Travis, we are, we are talking about kind of ran through, um, the the point of interest in your absence kind of hitting all the points we're talking about pre-shrunk make sure it's pre-shrunk and right. uh I, I was i was weaving a yarn no pun intended uh <laughs> <laughs> about um you know when you find that shirt that you love it's, it's a perfect design it's a perfect feel you love it the first time you put it on your favorite mm-hmm. color and you're so excited you didn't know that a shirt like this could exist that checks all of the boxes you put it in the laundry and you're just waiting you you have a day of the week you're like i'm gonna wear that shirt again because it looks good on me it feels good on me it's stellar you get it back from the laundry and you unfold it or you take it off the hanger and you put it on and well it's a it's a little it's a little tighter or it's a little shorter it doesn't fit quite the same way you're not as in love with it as you were and now you have buyer's remorse or you wish you would have you know hang dried or hung dry or whatever the correct phrasing mm-hmm. is for that but you wish you would have done it um because it yeah and this has happened to me so many times to the point where i tell my wife like just hang dry everything i own please <laughs> that's i it might be pretty strong it might not be i don't care just just hang dry everything because <clears throat> especially when it comes to hoodies I my least favorite thing oh, in the yeah. world is throwing on a hoodie. It happened. I got one in Germany that I loved. Saw it at the airport, and I was like, "Man, this is a. I really like this design. It's cool. I'm gonna. I'm gonna buy it. I'm in Germany. I'm not gonna see mm-hmm. this thing again. I'm just gonna snag it." So I did. Wash it. You know, put it on again, and it just did not fit the same. And part of it is mm-hmm. that I probably I could have misinterpreted the sizing in Germany because it's all very strange. I clearly didn't read the tag because it's in another language. But the point is, you want to make sure that your garment is pre shrunk because you don't want that experience to be what your customer goes through. Um, right. And you just, you need to know, you need to verify and let them know that it is pre-shrunk. And then, you know, maybe when you're, when you're posting the listing or you're listing it for sale, have instructions on how to wash, you know, what settings, what temperature, mm-hmm. you know, when you're drying it, or do you, you recommend hang drying the garment? Like what, what does that mm-hmm. look like in that process to make sure that you that your customer's happy and that you are confident in what you are selling. Yeah, one of the things that um I do with, you know, my my shirts and uh probably should put this I don't know on on a packing slip or something, but um I'll turn the I'll I will tell people turn the shirt inside out when you wash it uh just to preserve the um you know the image as well. It's, it doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, pre-shrunk or <laughs> um anything like that. But just as far as like garment care, it can make your, uh, your shirt last, you know, much or your design yeah. last a lot longer because it's not rubbing up against other things. It's inside. Sure. It's, you know, it just protects it a little bit. So yeah. there's something that, you know, um, you might consider telling people, uh, you can sometimes edit those packing slips, um, or you could potentially put an insert in something or, you know, um, yeah. or just leave it on, put it on your listing, you know, with the washing instructions or something like that, just so you've, you've communicated that to, to them yeah. so they can, you know, make the best decision for Correct. them. Yep. All right. Well, that does it for our point of interest. So we're going to go straight into this week's main event. Well, as we said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about pricing your POD products, making sure that you are charging the correct amount, the right amount that's going to get you what you need. And this kind of ties into last week. We did our Q4 checkup. So uh, if you need to go see if you're in good standing for Q4 or what your status is for Q4, do your weekly checkup and see what your I health got a is like. Fever. Hopefully you don't have a fever. So um we're going to talk about pricing your POD products. We talked a bit about this last week, um, but this is a good time to do this 
and kind of review your pricing. Yeah. So pricing is not a one-time thing. It's not a set it and forget it. I don't know if you guys remember those ridiculous commercials back in the day where the guy's like, set it and forget it. And it just, it's like some kind of rotisserie chicken cooker or whatever. I referenced it a couple of weeks ago. No one knew what I was talking about. I felt ancient. Um, anyway, I still know, um, do not know what you're talking about. And I'm older than you. Seriously? So I, okay. Yeah. I, I have to, I'll send you a link. It's a, okay. I watched a lot. Never mind. So, <laughs> a lot of infomercials, apparently. Um, so yeah, pricing is not a one-time thing. Uh, you you should adjust as you move forward. Um, so vendor because there's vendor price increases, there's competition and shipping costs. There's a lot of things that can contribute to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really so, at, yeah, the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you want to price what your product's actually worth, and 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 there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, it's. It's not just how much did it cost you, you know, um, right. it's how much time it, it took you to get that design. Did you pay for the design? Did you, um, you know, uh, spend time on the design? Did It's not necessarily, um, you know, you don't want to base your pricing solely on what other people charge. Um, I mean, you can, that is a legit pricing strategy, yeah. um, but it is okay to charge more if your product, maybe you're selling a Bella canvas and they're selling one of those, you know, Gildan 5,000s, you know, obviously right. it's going to probably going to cost you more for one, but it makes a lot of sense. It's a better product, you know, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to increase your uh, perceived value. You know, if you, you know, uh, some of these companies, or if you do your own fulfillment, you custom-made poly bags that right. are really nice or, you know, different things like that, different types of packaging that increases that, that value. You could put a hang tag on it, um, you know, actually on the garment and it's like, okay, well right. that feels like it's coming from a shop as opposed to just, you know, getting a gray poly bag in the mail and ripping it open and your shirt's there, you know, with, <laughs> with a packing slip or something. Sure. That's a lower perceived value than, you know, maybe a, a really nice bag and, yeah. Uh, all of that stuff. So there are different ways to increase your perceived value, but you, you really do want to price what your product's worth. And, and um, you know, if your design is better, that that's another reason to, right. uh, to, to charge more. So, um, so let's, let's actually get into like, what is a pricing strategy? Yeah, um, and so, yeah, you can, there's a, there's a lot of different pricing strategies and th these are just a few um, and you may have heard some of these, you may not have heard, you may have heard these with different names, but, uh -huh. um, uh, let's just jump in and talk about like five of them. Um, sure. And then, uh, so the first one is going to be like cost plus pricing. And this is, this is kind of what we were trying to do. If you've listened to the show for a long time, when we were doing all the time testing, um, and we were trying to figure out, okay, what's the average time it takes to do one coffee mug or one t-shirt or one embroidered hat or whatever it was, because the cost plus pricing calculates all of your costs and yeah. then adds a markup on top of that. So, yep. you know, it's time, it's the, it's the actual, you know, the products, it's, um, you know, your overhead, all of those things. And then you have a markup on top of that. So that's, that's cost plus pricing. Yeah. Yeah, the next one would be uh, it's competitive pricing, which we talked about, which is setting the price mm -hmm. based on what the competition charges. So you can you can adjust accordingly if someone's selling mm -hmm. something the same, you know, another T-shirt or whatever it is, a similar design. Um, you can yeah. go with what the competition is charging to try and just right. stay with them. Um, that is it is a a strategy for sure. Um, it can be problematic um, because then you get into like a yep. race to the bottom, right? Um, which is what happened a lot when we sold on Amazon, mm -hmm. just not just like t-shirts, but this, this comes into where, you know, when, when you're on an Amazon listing and you see that it's available from five different buyers, well, those five different buyers most likely are, are people like Travis and I who have a business who are selling on Amazon. And, and are sourcing these products to add to this listing. And we added to the listing because of its ranking um, and how quickly that product is moving. So there can be five people selling on one listing and you can come in and match price with somebody, um, but then they'll drop the price and then you'll have to match to drop the price. And then that, because they want the buy box, they want the sale. When someone lands on that listing and goes to buy it, 
they're obviously going to go with the cheapest option. So they want whoever that seller is wants the buy box. And so it becomes a race to the bottom and it's, it's super irritating. Um, the number, yeah. I mean, the number of times I'm sure Travis and I both could regale you with stories for hours upon hours of times when we sourced something that was profitable. And then by the time we went to list it or the day after we sent it in, some person dropped their price because they didn't want, us to steal any of the buy it's just it's ridiculous it makes no sense um whatsoever right. but it is something that 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 happens so that's kind of can be the problem with the uh, right the competitive pricing the next one would be price skimming so travis talk to us about price skimming yeah so price skimming is going to be um you're going to set a high price and then lower it as the market uh, evolves. And so this could be if you found, you know, a, a niche that nobody is in, you know, and you're one of the very yeah. first, you, you can, you kind of own it. So you can set your price wherever, wherever you want, like now, obviously you have to have buyers <laughs> or it won't work because you right. won't, you just won't sell anything. But if you find something that there is demand for something, um, you can set a high price and then lower it as the market evolves. One example of this would be potentially like, um, flat screen TVs. Now I know the technology plays a role in it. So it's gotten cheaper, you know, uh, to yeah. produce these things, um, you know, or computers, those types of things. But if you look at how much a computer or a, you know, a flat screen TV was priced when it first came out, I mean, it was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And now yeah, you can get one for used, a couple hundred. Sell them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to make commission off of those things when I sold them at uh, you know, Radio Shack, because it was for a 55 inch, you know, LCD, because then it was LCD versus plasma, like back in the day, mm -hmm. that was the big, like, which is better. And so you know, you'd sell a new LCD, you know, um, flat screen TV, 55 inch for almost five grand. Yeah. And, you right. know, that's like, that's the big ticket item. And you're excited that you sold it. And now I look at it and I'm like, there's zero chance a TV salesman could survive. Like, what, what's, where's <laughs> the margin in this? It's all, yeah. But now that same TV goes for 500 bucks or whatever. It's just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's become commoditized for sure. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, penetration pricing. And this is uh -huh. trying to get market all right, all share. Right, right. <laughs> so you would set a low price to enter a competitive market and then raise it later as you've established yourself as a right. salesperson or a sales leader in that category. Um, right. You see this a lot with a lot of uh, Amazon merch on demand sellers. They'll, yep. they'll price it at, I don't make, you know, they'll price it at the absolute lowest <laughs> to where they don't make any money at all. They don't make any royalty. They'll price it as low as Amazon will let them um, just to try to get sales rank, try to get some reviews and then they'll slowly raise it over time. So, I mean, it can right. be an effective strategy, um, but you have to be able to kind of float yourself financially for a while sure. because you're not going to make very much second, when yeah. you start. Yeah, it's going to take a while for you to penetrate that market. Right. And the next one and the last one we'll talk about is value-based pricing, which Travis, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but yep. just that perceived value, um, basing your product or services price and what the customer believes that it's worth. And mm -hmm. you can, to Travis's point earlier, you can add things to the packaging, add things to up the perceived value. But usually if you're looking at someone's, if you're dealing with someone's perceived value, it's what they think it's worth upon first assessment of the product. And so I think a lot of times you see this kind of value-based pricing on platforms like Etsy. Um, because there's a lot of mm -hmm. handmade goods, a lot of arts and, and craft kind of um, uh, products that are up. And so people are charging um, based on what the customer's perceived value is on a wood, you know, coaster or a wood cigar mm -hmm. box or, or, or cutting right. board or whatever, you know, so they're pricing accordingly. Yeah, I got um, it, my, par or my parents, <laughs> Freudian <laughs> slip, my uh, uh, wife and my family, actually, it was, it was from my wife and my kids, they bought me a couple years ago for Christmas, um, a decanter and four glasses, uh, set. Yeah. And, um, it was nice, you know, it's nice glass, but it came in this black, uh, fitted, you know, uh, box that had like this gold or silver. I can't remember what color, um, kind of, uh, shiny writing on it. You right. Know, and, 
and you open it up and it's got a magnet at the top and you open it up and then it's sitting in the really nice yeah. foam and all of that. And I was like, dang, this is really nice. And uh, I found out, I remember finding out how much my wife bought it for just because I was curious and, you know, yeah. um, I, it, you know, I can ask that, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then uh, last year we were looking at doing some of that on Etsy and creating like a decanter, potentially even like laser engraved, right. um, you know, options. Cause this one they got me was just not even what, you know, it was just literally uh, had nothing, had no personalization on it. Um, yeah. And I was shocked at how less expensive it was when I could go, you know, I could go get it wholesale. <laughs> and I was amazed at the markup that they had gotten. And it, and a lot of it was yeah. because they had spent so much time making that, you know, really nice box and the perceived value of that decanter and those glasses was really high because yeah. they focused on that packaging. So that's a, that's an example of value-based pricing. Um, it's not necessarily doesn't have necessarily anything to do with how much it costs you to sell it. Right. It's what the customer sees it as. How valuable do they see it? What is their perception of that value? And that's right. what you base right. it on. Yep. Yeah, I'm trying to as we're as we're talking. I'm trying to find. I just saw literally saw an episode of of Shark Tank last night um, hmm. of this uh, this guy who is selling you know basically spoon rings. And he's he's makes custom ones, and uh, the the process in which his the packaging that he does he, he he makes them all himself, and he drops these you know new designs once a month. But he has the shark the sharks um, open a box, and so they open the box, and in the box is a bottle of mm -hmm. water. And they take out the bottle of water, and it says pour right here. So he, they pour the water, and then the dry ice fog comes up, and then they break open the thing and more fog from the rings. And it was the most elaborate packaging I'd ever seen for to mm. display four, you know, custom spoon rings, but talk about adding perceived value yeah, to your sure. product. I mean, that was, it was, it was ridiculous. So if I find a clip of that, maybe I'll post it in the Facebook group if I can find something and kind of uh, post it and, and call back to, to this episode. So, but yeah, it was yeah. crazy. So, yeah. all right. So, Let's talk about, you know, there's loss leaders as well um, that you can mm -hmm. do. And uh, we talked a little leaders. bit about that. Yeah, a, li a little bit. Uh, but let's talk about how you come up with the pricing um, and different things you need to take into consideration sure. when when developing the pricing. So you have variable costs, fixed costs, profit margin. So, so variable costs can are the name. Uh, mm -hmm. is <laughs> costs that change. <laughs> so um, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got your cogs, or your cost of goods sold. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know what? How much the the mug is? How much the shirt is? How much the sweatshirt is? And just because it's a different product each time, by nature, it's going to be a variable. So, um, you've got that. You've got packaging again. Are you gonna are you gonna go for the dry ice effect when the guy <laughs> pours the water in the thing? Or are you just going for a U line, uh, you know, poly bag and they open it up and it is what it is? You got to figure mm -hmm. that out and you got to factor that into pricing. Uh, labor, right. how much time does it take? And you got to figure this out, even if it's just you doing it, because um, a lot of times I think when you think about that, if it's just you or you and a friend. And you're doing this. You don't often think of time because you're thinking, "Well, this is my job. Right. I'll be doing this anyway." Um, you're more cognizant of time when you have a staff or, or people under you that are that are doing the production for you because you're then issuing paychecks every two weeks or whatever that looks yeah. like. So, be sure to you're factor very in. cognizant of it. Yes, right. Yeah, when you <laughs> yeah, have when, payroll. When you have, when you have a payroll. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. Uh, but factor in labor, and even yeah. if it's your VA's time, if it's your time, even if you're again, you're just doing drop shipping with another provider, the time that it's taking you to get the design, factor all of that in. Um, yeah, you, you, one of the ahead. one of the things I want to say about that is um, because some some people will push back, like you said, and say, "Well, I, you know, I'm doing it. I, I, you know, I'm getting all right. the profit, and so I'm not going to factor in my time because I'm uh, because I'm making." money on this and this is my thing and it's just me and I would be, you know, working anyway. So I'm, I'm not going to use that. The problem with that is, is that's not scalable because no one else will do it for free. So you have right. to factor in your labor 
into yeah. your variable costs um, or you'll you'll forever be stuck doing exactly what you're doing today because you'll never be able to have anybody else do that. Um, right. And you'll never be able to do anything else in your business. You won't be able to scale. You won't be able to right. grow. Yeah. Another thing, shipping, we talked about this a little bit as well, but the cost of shipping, mm -hmm. the weight of the item, that's going to be different. It, a shirt is different to ship than a, a 11 ounce mug or a, a wood sign. It's all different. So you got to factor that, it, factor that into your pricing. Or how as far well. it's going too. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's going. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so an advertising, if you're putting any kind of ad dollars behind this, whether it is on Amazon, you know, a pay-per-click campaign or whether you're doing Google ads, if you have your own website or, or whatever that looks like, you got to factor that in as well to make sure that you're, yeah. you're making um, money for the money that you're investing in that. So uh, Travis, fixed costs, what are, what are fixed yeah. costs or what are some examples? So fixed costs, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you sell 10 or 10 million, um, the number on each of those items does not change. Um, the, the biggest or the best example really of fixed cost is overhead. So, sure. um, your rent, if you have a space or if yeah. you don't, you know, it doesn't matter your electricity, your utilities, your, um, you know, all your internet, those things that are going to happen, whether you sell 10 things or 10,000 things. So you have mm -hmm. to have internet to run this business. Perhaps you've, um, got some subscriptions to like a ship station or a Photoshop or, right. you know, E-Rank or, um, you know, any of those uh, subscription-based things that you need to, uh, you know, make your mock-ups. So bulk mock-up or um, what's the other one? Uh, Placeit.net. You know, there's a, there's a lot of those things that you, you need to be able to create listings and such yeah. uh, or to do research. And so those are going to be fixed every single month. They're going to come in no matter how many things you sell. Um, you could put like your, your platform listing fees in that, um, for instance, Amazon, the seller central side charges about 40 bucks a month. It's like 39.99. Um, and then Etsy listing fees, uh, you could put that into a variable, um, because it's kind of part of the commission and depending on what category you're selling in, depending on how much cost it is, um, you, it could go either way. It could be yeah. a fixed cost, but it, it's, it's, it's more variable because it's based on the actual product that you're selling and how much you're selling it for. Right. Um, so if you sell a t-shirt for $20 one month and $30 the next month, well, that's not a fixed, that 15% commission or 7% commission or right. whatever is not the same. So it's probably more of a variable cost, but anything that you're going to be paying every single month, no matter what right. is, is going to be a fixed cost. So you have to extrapolate that over however many sales you have. So right. obviously the percentage or the ratio of how much that fixed cost is going to affect your profit margin goes down the more you sell because it's fixed. So let's say you have a thousand dollars of fixed costs a month. Well, if you sell 10 things <laughs> um, and you have to pay a thousand dollars plus the variable costs, uh, you're in the red for sure. But if you sell yeah. 10,000 things and your, and your fixed cost is still a thousand dollars, your variable costs, you know, are going to be variable based on how many things you sell, but your fixed costs are going to be lower. So, so the, the more you can sell, the more you can save, I guess, uh, yeah. would be a good way to look at it with fixed costs um, versus variable costs, which are going to fluctuate based on how much based, you actually right. sell. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about then profit margin, which is kind of the last piece of this. And a mm -hmm. lot of people, Travis, are probably thinking, you know, they probably, they probably heard the term keystone pricing. What does that mean? Keystone. What? So for those that would yeah. be wondering, keystone definition, how would you define that in terms of profit margin? So keystone is uh, traditionally a brick and mortar type of, um, it's, a, it's a brick and mortar margin, I guess. And what keystone is, is basically if, if I sell it to you for 15, you can retail it for 30. If it's basically just double. So whatever I buy it from, I'm going to, if it's a keystone markup, it's just double that. Um, a lot of right. times that doesn't work online. Um, one of the reasons is because perceived value is higher in a store. 
you're going into a physical location and they have the ability to, you know, make the store look nice. And so there's a higher yeah. perceived value. So you might buy that same t-shirt for $30, um, you know, uh, in a store, but maybe, maybe you're not willing to pay $30 when it's online. <laughs> right. Um, and you're only going to pay 20. So typically it's hard to get Keystone when you are, um, you know, drop shipping with print on demand. Yeah. Your, your margins are going to be more in the like, you know, 20, 30%, maybe sometimes 40%, depending on the product. Yeah. Um, you know, after you factor in your variable and your fixed cost, um, you know, you're, you're probably looking at, you know, 20, 30, 40%. Right. Um, but this is where, you know, your market research is important. You know, what are yep. other people selling things for in this particular niche, this particular type of product? And then you can go to your, you know, your Guten or your Printify or wherever and say, well, how much would it cost me to make the make this or get it? And then what are my costs and my variable costs? Can I get in that 20, 30, 40%, um, you know, area based yeah. on what I'm seeing other people selling these things for? Sure. Um, and again, you know, we talk, you think we're in two minds. We talked earlier about don't base your pricing on what other people are selling it for. <laughs> But you need to be able to justify what yeah. you're charging one way or the other. So, sure. um, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily match it, um, but it does need to probably be in the same vicinity unless, again, unless you're going for a higher perceived value or, you know, your designs are just out of this world right. or you're putting it on a higher quality product, et cetera, et cetera, like we've right. Been, right. been talking about. Yeah. And another thing about Keystone is that, it's a terrible beer. Yeah, it's good if you're cheap busted. So don't drink it. Um, <laughs> you can do uh, some price testing. We've talked about often, you know, pricing is not a one-time thing. So you can test prices. You can see where things sit. It's not a forever commitment. If you want to set something at, you know, a shirt at $25 and see if it sells, then yeah, see if it sells. Um, you can yeah. probably, you might be able to get away, especially if you're doing stuff for influencers, if you're helping do merch or you're partnering with them mm -hmm. to do drop ship their merch, even if you're not doing the production of it, the perceived value of that piece of clothing or that, that merch item is automatically higher in the customer's mind because they're buying something that is supporting the person that they're already a fan of. And so in those right. instances, I would tell people, yeah, you start at $24.99, just see what happens. Um, because people will probably buy it because they want to support you and they're fans. So it already has a higher perceived value simply because of the brand or the person that is selling that item. Um, yeah. And then see what happens from there. Uh, you know, see how see how it goes. And if you have to drop it, you have to drop it. Then that's mm -hmm. fine. To the you know the penetration kind of price model is start low and then raise it as you go. That's another way to kind of test pricing. Um, mm -hmm last week about how in q4 you can raise those prices and both travis and i have done this um, mm -hmm. we did that when jason and i were, were selling during q4 it was very much a, okay well let's up the price by this percentage because it's the holidays and people will uh pay more during the yeah. holidays they're not as price cognizant necessarily especially if it's last minute gifts so uh, but you i mean travis you have you've shared this story before but you've got an example when it comes to like price testing with one of the items right. that you actually private labeled uh, right yeah so we used to do a private label of uh we had a kind of a line of cupcake stands and uh we had all these different styles and uh different sizes of cupcake stands and i remember um having kind of an idea of what I was going to price it at, uh, you know, when I got these things and, um, when I went in, when I, we had one large one that was like a 24 count cupcake stand. And when we went to send that into Amazon FBA, I realized that it was oversized and I had no idea. I didn't realize it. It was, I was convinced that this was the end of my business. You know, it was so, it was one of those, you know, when we asked on the magic questions, you know, what was a thing that happened that was horrible? Well, this was one of them um, yeah. because I had, you know, said I was going to sell it for this. And I realized my overs oversized product fees were going to be so much more. I wasn't going to make anything. I was yeah. going to have to sell for more, for more. I was originally, I think going to sell it for like 24 99, 23 99. 
Um, I, I was trying to do like a 1899, 2099, you know, with the different sizes. And then yeah. the biggest one was going to be 2499, but I wasn't going to make, but like two bucks or something after I shipped them all in. And, um, I don't remember exactly all the math, but, um, I decided I was going to take a leap of faith and I priced them at $32, $32.99 and they sold amazingly. And in fact, um, I continued to raise them until I think at one point I was selling them for $36.99. Um, and then some of my other lower priced ones, I was raising them up. I remember there's one that I was selling for $16.99 at one point. Um, I still still have a few more. I probably have like 40 or 50 or so, and they're selling for $26.99. Um, so even uh, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You have to test this stuff. You have yeah. to figure out um, if you can, if you can raise your prices. I remember several years ago, I raised my coffee, my coffee mug prices significantly for Q4. And I was curious what would happen if I didn't change them back in January. And you know what? I have not changed them back ever since. And that was like two or three <laughs> years ago. Um, because they just kept selling at the same rate, you know. So right. again, you don't know. And sometimes you have this kind of inferiority complex or imposter syndrome. You're like, no one's gonna buy it for this much. It's <laughs> not true. I don't care how yeah. many 1299 mugs are selling, you know, how many of those guys are selling them for $12.99 or $9.99 or, right. you know, I, I don't even know how they do it, but I know that I can sell an 11 ounce coffee mug for $19.99 all day, every day and twice on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have known that had I not price tested it. That's the moral. Right. Of the story. right. Yeah. So you have to do, you always have to do your research. That's the thing. And and that's yeah. what price testing is about is, is doing research. And Travis, you were, you were telling me, before we press record that you did some research recently on a very well-known oh, yeah. character that yeah it was shocking to me but this again research has its many benefits whether it's business or useless pop facts like this right it's so, still in i was i was shocked well i am a huge star wars fan and um you can ask anybody in my family i love all that sci-fi stuff but especially star wars and um, I found out, and I don't know if this counts as research. I kind of just found out um, on a website, but uh, most people don't realize that um, Master Yoda actually there was some. I, I don't know exactly if it's in the you know the official canon or whatever, but he had like an Asian last name, which is really weird because he's like an alien, right? He's Master yeah. Yoda. Yeah. Um, but his actual last name, I guess, in the books or something like that. Um, is Lehihu. That's his last last name. So he's Master Yoda Lehihu. And that's this week's weekly dad joke. Feel free to use it at all your parties and credit us. And then when they ask we, what this is, what do you mean? What's the print on a man cast? Just grab their phone, force them to subscribe, and then they'll be good to go. <laughs> and really appreciative for the grassroots marketing that you would have done for us. So... Um, <laughs> Awesome. Travis, anything else before we wrap this one up? I don't think so. I think we've talked about pricing and uh, I don't know. I mean, there's always, there's plenty more, but um, sure. I think that's enough for this week for sure. Awesome. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to talk with us or learn Attention more hotline about the show, fans. there's the best way to do that, which is joining the Facebook group, printonmancast.com slash Facebook. You can request to join, answer the questions someone requested to join recently didn't answer the questions and i had to painfully decline the membership because i didn't know why they were joining so answer the questions let us know that you're not just a spam bot that's wanting to join groups and and add us to your collection of groups so again print on slash facebook is where you can go to join the conversation uh, print on slash instagram we are gaining a lot of followers on instagram and like every every day i see just a handful of people following. I think we're up to over 800 should, followers, which is We awesome. should probably post some stuff there. Yeah, we should do some like <laughs> lives or something there on Instagram with the people and post more content because they are uh, joining by the droves, which we're greatly appreciative of Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and then we can also find this print on slash YouTube is where you can go to find these episodes in video form as well as Spotify. Uh, if you're watching on Spotify, um, thank you very, very much. And 
we had a request and we're working on this because I figured out, Travis, you can actually add chapter markers in Spotify Ooh. too. And I found this out oh, sweet. because I was, I was listening to a podcast while I was door dashing last Saturday uh, and pulled up the podcast and there was chapter like marks and I was blown nice. away. Didn't know it was a thing. It can be done. So we're working on that as well. And then if you want to support the show other than just a subscription, I shouldn't say just a subscription. If you want to support the show in another way, other than subscribing and sharing the show, print on a mancast.com slash shops where you can go to pick up one of our shirts. They're punny, uh, they're entertaining, and they can be mistaken for really popular logos. So, um, which is always just the best part. <laughs> if you don't like social media, uh, you can in- email us info at printonamancast.com and you can go to printonondemandcast.com to subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where you can uh, get tidbits and facts and other pieces of information throughout the week uh, and, and a bonus dad joke. So be sure to do that. Uh, and there's an annual design calendar that you'll get as well, which will let you know you know, holidays that are coming up, when you should post, when you should prepare them, what you should be thinking of to help you get ahead of the curve when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, all things holiday related and designs and kind of just make sure you're on top of things as well. So uh, with that being said, thank you guys so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing all of you again right here next week. So until then, for Travis, I'm Josiah. We'll see you on the Print on Demand cast. See ya. Hey, babe, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. We hope you enjoyed the Totally Tubular show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Want to be wicked nice? Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next time for sure. In a world where businesses everywhere are trying to make print-on-demand sales, one podcast goes above and beyond every week to bring the most POD-specific information there is. All to help save the day, every day. Don't succumb to the enemies of your print-on-demand business. Sign up today for the Print On Demand Cast VIP email at printondemandcast.com slash VIP. This time, it's for real.